Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey Blackburn, your host, and joining me, Aubrey Sampson, our co-host. And I'm joining you with a little bit of fangirl energy Ooh. right now, Davey, because <laughs> we today's all? episode, we yeah, all? are you are you fangirling a 100%, 100%. <laughs> there are some interviews that yeah. I get a little bit nervous about, and this is, you know, Lisa Turkhurst. I mean, Lisa Turkhurst. amazing. I mean, we don't want to idolize anybody, but Lisa's just, right. oof, wow, she's awesome. She's She's a killer. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, if you don't know who she yeah. is, she's a speaker. She's a New York Times bestseller. She's the president of Proverbs 31. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's not a joke. So I no. am I am thrilled for our listeners to hear your conversation with Lisa today. And this is a shorter conversation than what we have traditionally had on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, but it is chock full of incredible insight. And so you're not going to yeah, be disappointed. So that's for wise. sure. <laughs> and because it's a shorter conversation, Aubrey, you and I are actually going to spend a little bit more time on the back and unpacking some things. Um, particularly, I want to share a little bit with you guys about some of my journey of forgiveness um, and some updates on that surrounding uh, the sentencing of one of the guys that um, that killed Amanda, my late wife. Mm. And so we're going to talk about um, when, when I was at the sentencing hearing and some of the things that God did in me uh, during all of that period. So um, it's going to be a good conversation. That's particularly yeah. why I wanted to bring Lisa back on the podcast because she just recently wrote this book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And um, I, I said, man, I really want to have a conversation about forgiveness with her. Yeah. Um, and yeah. while I wanted her to lead, you know, spend most of the time talking about this idea of forgiveness from her experience, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to just kind of ask some questions and things that I've been wrestling with personally. So, so you're getting a really a very real and raw conversation between the two of us. Yeah, this is going to be really, uh, really powerful. So be sure to stick around at the end to hear what Davey has to say and what God has been doing in that story. Um, we would also love to invite you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we love to hear stories of what God is doing in your life through Nothing is Wasted. That helps um, the podcast go up in the algorithm. But more than that, we just love hearing stories of how faithful God has been in your mm -hmm. life through your pain. So be sure to rate and review. And um, let's go ahead and listen to Davy's conversation with Lisa Turkhurst. Lisa, it is so great to have you back on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time because, you know, as as I have been wading through my own story and working through the concept of forgiveness uh, with what happened to my wife, and then after, you know, obviously our lives intersecting a couple of years ago, and then hearing some of the things and, and being able to hear from you, some of the things that have happened in your life, and then you coming out with this book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, so I got to have a conversation with Lisa Turkhurst about forgiveness, because uh, mm -hmm. I know that you've not just, you're, this is not just something that's theoretical to you. This is something that's experiential. And, um, and so I would love for you to just share a little bit contextually uh, what it was, just in a couple of sentences, the circumstances you guys walked through that, that led to writing this book. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing that led to me writing this book is me coming with a kind of face-to-face -face understanding of my tremendous resistance 
in certain circumstances to forgiveness. I'm good at forgiveness if the emotional debt that's created between me and another person is a small debt. Like if you inconvenience yeah. me or if you, you know, um, say something hurtful or, or, you know, whatever, like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty go with the flow kind of person. So I could forgive right. easily in those, but when the emotional debt created is like a million dollar emotional debt, um, that's when I dove into the Bible with a thousand hours of research, um, trying to figure out if there were exceptions and why would God put the burden of forgiveness on the one who was so devastated and so wounded. Mm. And, you know, the biggest part of personally what I was walking through that created this situation of coming face to face with my own resistance to forgiveness is just extreme betrayal in some of the most important relationships of my life. And, you know, being so hurt and kind of feeling stuck in that pain because I kept waiting for the people who hurt me to say that they were sorry, own what they did, commit to never doing it again Mm -hmm. and suffer for what they had done. And then when I felt like the scales of justice, you know, leveled out, then I would consider whether or not to forgive them. And yet when we read the Bible, you know, all of those qualifications aren't there. And so I had to start understanding what forgiveness really is because it was feeling so unfair. Yeah. Um, and what I discovered is forgiveness is not an unfair gift we give to the person who hurt us. Forgiveness is the only way to sever the source of suffering from the pain of thinking about what happened and how unfair it is over and over and over. And forgiveness really is God's provision to help heal the hurting heart. So one day after a lot of tears and a lot of angst and a lot of resistance to forgiveness, I just mentally put a stake in the ground and said, I deserve to stop suffering because of what other people have done to me. And the only way to sever the source of suffering is through the power of forgiveness. So in some ways, it sounds like you're saying that forgiveness isn't necessarily as much for the other person or the perpetrator. It's, it's, it's probably more for us. It is. It, it really is. And I think sometimes when people first hear that, they're like, wait, well, then what's the point? Yeah. Isn't forgiveness to make the other person feel better? Right. And in some circumstances, I'm sure that that is. I mean, it's nice when someone says, I forgive you, you know, if the relationship is healthy and you're not dancing with dysfunction. But in relationships where there's a lot of dysfunction and a lot of ongoing hurt, when people read verses like Jesus saying, forgive 70 times seven, it can feel so confusing because that right. almost seems like permission for that person to have enough access to you to hurt you over and over and over. But actually, as I studied forgiveness, especially in dysfunctional relationships, requires appropriate boundaries. Yeah. And forgiveness doesn't negate the consequences of what that other person naturally must go through because they did what they did, you know. Yeah. And like in your case, you know, the the guy who created just this trauma in your yeah. life by murdering your wife he still had to suffer the consequences of his actions, right? So you forgiving him doesn't free him from those consequences. But what it does free you from 
are the consequences of bitterness and anger right. and uh, and rage and and carrying the heavy weight of unforgiveness. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, you know, on some level, what I've discovered too is that um, forgiveness is a trust. You know, it's an exercise of trust. You know, in the Lord, I think you know, the Lord said, God says He is the event. He is the ultimate avenger. You know, he he vengeance will be His. And so, you know, in some cases you're, you're releasing that, right? You're releasing that you're going, God, I, I'm not holding on to the responsibility of dealing with this situation and justice. Your justice is way more, um, accurate, way more acute, way more, uh, way wiser than, than, than mine. And, um, and yet at the same time, there's something powerful that can happen in the realm of forgiveness. When you demonstrate that there's this, uh, uh, there's this opportunity for reconciliation and for the power of forgiveness to wash over that person as well. So while you're also releasing yourself from that responsibility and you're, and you're trusting God with the measure of justice that needs to happen, then something opens up in the kingdom as well for potential reconciliation and right relationship to happen too. Have you, have you experienced that at all as well as you're walking in this? Yeah, I think it's important. I love what you said that that forgiveness is an act of trusting God. I don't know that I've thought of it in that way, so I think that's a brilliant thought. I want to ruminate on that a little bit, but you're absolutely right. It is because I think part of where people get tripped up is they believe that forgiveness and reconciliation are commingled. Mm-hmm. But that's not that's not true. I mean, sometimes the reconciliation piece is not possible. Maybe the other person has passed away or maybe they are so toxic or so, um, you know, abusive that reconciliation Mm. is just not smart. Um, but you can still go through the process of forgiveness and that forgiveness isn't a quick pathway to reconciliation. It really is a quick pathway to healing. Now, Sometimes it does mean reconciliation, but sometimes it means being rescued out of the relationship. And both can lead to redemption with God. Redemption with God is possible whether or not reconciliation in our human relationships are possible or not. And I think for me, understanding that more mature view of forgiveness and not expecting it to instantly fix my trust issues with people or expecting forgiveness to instantly make things right between us. Um, I think it has allowed me to forgive more freely because I'm not waiting for so many messy pieces to come back together. Um, But certainly in healthy relationships, forgiveness can lead to reconciliation and that's beautiful too. Yeah, yeah. Hi friends, it's time to let you know who we have as our bonus episode in May. We brought back Mark Vrogop as this month's bonus episode guest. Mark is the lead pastor of College Park Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. He was featured on episode 99 of the podcast where he talked about he and his wife's story of miscarriage and what they learned about lament. This time he sat down with me to talk about how to make sure the language we use toward people during times of crisis and pain still reflects the character and nature of Christ. He was inspired to dive deeper into this based on a sermon series he was preparing on the book of James. 
So in our conversation, we talked about how the tongue holds the power of life and death and how that applies to healing from both big T and little t trauma. We also dive a little bit into the cultural and circumstantial pressure we've all been experiencing in this past year. It's a rich, relevant conversation. Become a monthly partner so you can listen to this incredible conversation I had with Mark. In addition to what you receive as a monthly partner, partnering with us in this way is also supporting the free content and community we provide as a ministry that is positively impacting tens of thousands of people. We couldn't do this podcast or ministry without our partners, and we are incredibly grateful for all of your support. To find out more about what becoming a monthly partner of Nothing Is Wasted Ministries is all about, head to nothingiswasted.com slash partners. If you're interested in the bonus content we have available, you can set up a seven-day trial to preview the content. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash partners. Let's listen to a clip of some of that bonus content now. Every season of hardship and trial tends to surface things that we try to hide that are in our hearts. Mm. And you know that's one of the blessings of hardship. It's also one of the real tragedies of hardship is we're just dealing, you know, in real time with who who I am, who my wife is, who my family is, who my church is, who people are, who Christians are. And one of the clearest ways that we see who we are is by what comes out of our mouths. One of the things that that I've noticed in my own life, I wonder if you can speak to this, maybe you have some insight into why this is. I mean, I see it in scripture as well, but in my situation where, you know, this, these three men broke into my home and murdered my wife, um, there's a level of, of uh, anger and rage and resentment and all of that begins to, to build up. And there is an act of forgiveness and walking in that journey that a decision to make, you know, we, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast. It's not an emotion. It's a decision. It's a daily decision. Your feelings begin to follow as you, as you begin to step into that decision. But there is an element at which when, as you're talking about the people who are closest to you, right? That when, when you feel betrayal or when you feel there's some kind of perpetration from people who are in your life that you have instilled trust in, not some stranger that just happens to kind of, you know, even metaphorically kind of break into your life and, and, and cause some kind of pain and trauma, but the people are close. That's devastating. And, and I would say uh, a lot more difficult to forgive potentially because there, you see them a lot more or because, you know, you had so much trust instilled in them. Do you, do you have any insight as to, to why that may be? You know, David said, if it had not been right, if we had not been brothers, we shared fellowship with each other. Um, you know, th- this, that there was such a deep hurt caused by this. And that in my own life seems like a hurt that's even more difficult to get over. Not that we're comparing pain, but talk to me about that a little bit. Why is that, that it seems to grab such a strong hold on our, on our hearts? Well, I think because it feels so deeply personal, the more personal a wounding feels, the more um, it lands in your heart and creates not just a situation, but it creates almost an identity marker that you're tempted to carry. Um, Because Mm -hmm. when it's somebody you deeply love, their words carry weight to them. 
And yeah. sometimes they can speak a line over you that can become a lie that you start to believe. If it was a hurtful line that was spoken over you, it can become a lie that you believe that then can turn into this just liability in all future interactions with this person. And so I think what we have to remember with forgiveness, though, it's two parts. Forgiveness is a decision that we make. It's a moment in time where we decide that we're going to detach our ability to heal and move forward from the choices of the other person. So, you know, maybe they said something to you that was deeply personal and deeply wounding, but we can't wait for them to do something or to make a choice that we have no say so over. Otherwise, they're hijacking our ability to heal. So we detach that from them and we forgive so that we can move forward. So forgiveness is forgiving for the fact of what happened, fully acknowledging the hurt and the pain and all of that, writing out the facts of what happened. Um, And that's a moment in time. No one can take that away from you. But the much longer process of forgiveness, because remember I said it's two parts. It's a decision and it's a process. The much longer process of forgiveness is forgiving for the impact that this had on you. Every Mm. wounding, every trauma is fact and impact. Mm. So it's the impact where you've already made the decision to forgive, but the impact is going to leak into your life for years to come. And so when that happens now, I've learned I have to stop when I'm triggered in my pain. It doesn't make me a forgiveness failure. Like the original forgiveness that I extended to them didn't work. That's not it. It's that when I'm I'm triggered in my pain, I have to stop. And I have to say, this is another opportunity to forgive for the impact that this had Mm -hmm. on me. And I'm convinced if, you know, I, I used to wrestle with God and say, why do I get triggered in my pain? It's so inconvenient. It's not like you can time your triggers, right? right? It's right, not like you can sure. say, okay, Tuesday night at 730, I'll be yeah. sitting in my bathtub taking communion. And then, right. you know, I'll just be there. And like, that's a good time for a trigger, right? Mm-hmm. No, it happens five minutes before you're about to get up to preach or, you know, 10 minutes before you're supposed to come on a podcast interview. And these triggers right. happen. And all that emotion, that bitterness, and that anger can just rush back in. That does not make you a forgiveness failure. That means that God is letting the impact leak into your life over time. And I'm convinced if the full impact of what the original trauma was would have hit us at once, it would have killed us. Mm -hmm. So it's actually God's mercy that the impact leaks in over time. And we all know it takes time to emotionally heal. And we need to give ourselves permission We can forgive for the fact, but then we can walk through the emotional healing process, which could be a long process, to forgive for the impact that this has had on us. God is doing big things in and through Nothing Is Wasted Ministries this year. One of these things I've been itching to announce, but couldn't until now, is the release of the Pain to Purpose 42-Day Devotional. These devotions are the daily entries I wish that I had available to me along my healing journey. Each entry is designed to give you hope and practical help as you partner with God to take back your story. It'd be great for you or for anyone in your life who is struggling through a difficult season. The devotional is releasing July 22nd, but we want to extend to you a special offer of 20% off if you pre-order the devotional before July 22nd. If you pre-order now, the devotional will show up on your doorstep on July 22nd, and you'll gain immediate access to all our exclusive pre-order bonuses, including the first 21 days sent to your inbox 
along with five-minute video teaching of each entry from me. To pre-order the devotional and check out all the bonuses, go to paintoPurposeDevo.com and use the code PODCAST for 20% off the devotional just for being a Nothing Is Wasted podcast listener. Again, that's paintoPurposeDevo.com and use that code PODCAST for 20% off. You know, we have a, a community groups online of a lot of different pain nuances, but our largest one is women who have been sexually betrayed mm-hmm. and they're congregating and talking with each other, which tells me a, a, a couple things. One, that that is such a prevalent issue that there aren't a lot of spaces for women to, you know, come to a safe space and talk about it with others who are dealing with it. And, um, and yet one of the things that we hear a lot is the inner wrestling that they have in that toward forgiveness you know, especially as women who are following Jesus, Christian women who are saying, hey, you know, theoretically I have an opportunity to step out of this relationship, but I'm not sure if I should. I'm not sure what the world's going to perceive that. I'm not sure what my friends are, how they're going to perceive that. And so there's a lot of voices that are surrounding them in terms of this one lane of forgiveness or reconciliation and all of that. Do you have any, you know, insight if you were sitting with a group of these women and saying hey here's here's how you walk this road here um in 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 terms of differentiating between forgiveness and boundaries and and reconciliation and with the closest of relationships that we can have as as humankind yeah such a good question first what i would say is I would encourage all of those women to take some three by five cards and write down the pain that they've experienced because Mm -hmm. it's really important to acknowledge that pain. And once they wrote pain, like one on each card, everything that is the pain that they're carrying, I would encourage them to put it out in front of them. And I would stand in front of them and I would say, I believe you. What happened was wrong. It should not have happened. And if no one else in this world has ever dared to bear witness to your pain, I will. Mm. I will say, you have absolutely walked through this. This should not have happened to you. You do not deserve this. This is not something that's going to define your life. And I'm so sorry for what you have, what you have walked through. Yeah. And I think that is crucially important. And I would probably end by saying, but you deserve to stop suffering because of what this other person has done to you. So now let's learn to move forward. Let's walk this forgiveness journey, not because the other person deserves it, but because you deserve it. And I would give them a big hug and I would share my story. And I think they would feel seen, heard, and they would feel not so alone. And I think that's really important. Um, I think more than being taught People want to be understood. Yeah. And I think when we can stand in front of someone and say, I know the depth of your pain, they are more easily able to trust the wisdom and the teaching that we want to share. It's just like what Jesus did for us in Mark chapter 14 in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, I am overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. There are no words of Jesus that I relate to more than that. And in Hebrews chapter two, we're reminded that Jesus, he came to make atonement for our sins, but that wasn't the only reason he came. 
In Hebrews chapter 2, it tells us that he came to make atonement for our sins and so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest. Mm. And so when Jesus took on perfect divinity, he took on the grit and the grime and the weight and the heartbreak and the hardship and the horrors sometimes of humanity. He was sinless, but he was not void of experiencing deep sorrow. And so when right before Jesus goes to the cross, when he says, I am overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he's saying like, this is so awful. It might kill me. And then he asked God to change the plan, which is mind blowing to me, (laughs) you know, because Jesus knew the plan. Right. And yet he's asking God. It, so his divinity was in perfect alignment mm. and agreement with the plan, but his humanity was asking God to change it. Right. Right. That's powerful to me. Wow. wow. And I, I relate to that so much. Um, and in that moment, if answers of why this happened, mm. if, 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 if answers to why this happened would have helped, Jesus had all the answers in the world. Yep. That's good. And so it's not the answers. If if a if a perfect picture of the future would help, yeah. um, Jesus had that too. Yep. He knew for the cross set before me, right? Yeah. He knew. So I think it's okay in our humanity to sit in the sorrow and yep. to tell God, I am overwhelmed with sorrow yeah. to the point of death. That does not make us less Christian. That does not make us bad. It makes us human. That's right. But never forget the nine earth-shaking, hell-shattering, demon-quaking words that come right behind that statement mm. that Jesus says. He says, yet, not what I will, but what you will. In That's other right. words, Jesus says, God, I am going to literally lay down my will in this situation, mm. and I'm going to pick up your will because I'm so convinced that you will lead me, guide me, and keep your promises for wow. tomorrow. And wow. so that's what I'd say. And that's wow. what I do for those women. Man, that's amazing. One more question, Lisa. Um, you know, a lot of people who are listening to this have gone through their own pain and trauma. It may not be uh, any kind of betrayal or it may not be something that necessarily requires an act of forgiveness because their pain has a perpetrator. But they're wondering, do the triggers ever lessen? Does it ever, does it ever start to feel lighter? What would you say? Yeah. You know, I think it's going to be individual for each person. Sometimes the unchangeable can feel unforgivable. Mm. You know, when it's like when you're forgiving for something that like could be fixed, then that's not nearly as painful. But when you're forgiving the unchangeable, wow, that can really feel unforgivable. And you know, I think it's I think it's an interesting question. Um, I think time. I agree with the statement that time helps heal our wounds. Mm-hmm. However, it's what we do with that time That's it, that right. will either point to healing or to continued heartbreak. Absolutely. It's the seeds that we plant in that that will really bring forth either fruit or weeds that choke yeah. us out. You know. Um, That's good. I, and I, I, I wouldn't say that a sign of healing is that the triggers become in, you know, less intense. I would think it's maybe our response to the triggers, mm. the intensity, it may be the intensity of the memory, you know, right, right. like, you know, there are certain memories for me that 
man, when that song comes on, I mean, it grips me with extreme pain. I mean, I could cry right now thinking about it, you know? So it's not, it's not so much the intensity of the trigger that's an indication of healing. I think an indication of healing is to listen to the way we share the story. Mm. If we share the story and we're still going through all the details of how badly that we've been wounded, there is a time and a place to share all of that. But years down the road, when we're telling the story and we're more concerned with the details of how we were hurt or wronged, then that's probably a sign that more healing needs to happen. But instead, if we share the story and we're, we're more focused on, we established what happened, but we're much more focused on the lessons that we learned, the biblical perspectives that we gained and the faithfulness of God that we experienced, man, that's real healing. That's great. That's great. Wow. That's amazing. Lisa, thanks so much for spending time with us. This was just so insightful, so helpful. And uh, we appreciate you um, just sharing this with our listeners. Thank you. Davey, thank you. And and please, let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. I, um, I so respect your ministry and so grateful that uh, we have this time together. So let's do it again. Thank you. We will. Thanks again, Lisa. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that was an absolutely profound conversation yeah, it was. that you got to have with Lisa. Mm. Um her her wisdom that's so like hard won i think about forgiveness made it yeah. really powerful right she has lived the things that she's preaching and she's practicing what she's preaching and so i yeah. think because of that it's just really um extra meaningful for our listeners and even for me just listening to it was really really right. powerful right. um davy i wanted to transition a little bit from that because hearing her talk so much about forgiveness made me think of you Mm-hmm. And like we had said earlier that uh, you were going to update our listeners about the trial, specifically the recent one in March with Jalen. And I know there was a really powerful moment in there where you actually got to practice forgiveness mm-hmm. yeah. to this man who was part of murdering your wife. And I, yeah. I don't want to you know, spoil this. I want to give you a lot of space to say what you want to say. But I want to say personally, I got to read the the testimony or the word that you read to Jalen mm-hmm. and um, it just felt like Jesus, Davy. Mm. like you were being Jesus to this man. And um, that was, is supernatural forgiveness that you offered him that only could have come from the Holy spirit. Mm. That's what Lisa was talking about. And that's what I would love for our listeners to hear from you. If you feel like talking about it now. Yeah. And I would affirm that, that, you know, I, uh, up to the morning of that sentencing, we had to report there in the afternoon. I had not even written this statement yet until that morning. Mm -hmm. And then Christy just gave me a couple hours of space and said, Hey, and you know, go ahead and go and write it. And the words just kind of flowed. And part of it was because I didn't, I was a little afraid to go in and write the statement. How do you sit down to write something like this? Um, knowing, you know, cognitively, this is what I'm about to step into and facing one of the murderers of my wife. And so, you know, that fear kind of led to some procrastination a little bit, but then the Holy Spirit sure. just really showed up in powerful ways in the the writing of it. And I think that's the point of forgiveness is that forgiveness is, is a conduit thing. We are conduits of forgiveness. And um, we've mm. said that before that this, it's a spiritual impossibility to extend forgiveness if we, if we have not yet experienced the forgiveness of God. And then right. Right. consequently, it is also a spiritual impossibility, I believe, to experience the forgiveness of God in our own lives and not be mm. willing to extend it. So there's this thing that God does through us in forgiveness yeah. to bear 
witness to the to the testimony of Christ on the cross, the forgiveness that is offered there. And yeah. so that's really the mindset that I had to go into. But I'll give a little context because a few years ago, we stepped into the very first hearing with Jalen Watson. And Jalen is one of the men uh, who has arranged a plea agreement to testify against the shooter, um, to testi- mm. testify against Larry Taylor. So this was not the jury trial. This was um, this was a sentencing based on the arrangement that he has um, agreed to with the court to testify. And so his sentencing was, was lessened because of that as part of that arrangement. The very yeah. first hearing that we went to, um, our whole family was there, all of Amanda's family, Christy was there and we all sat down and my, my entire body was, was tense. I mean, like Ooh, I can imagine. it was only a 30 yeah. minute hearing, but I've walked out of there feeling like I had run a marathon and I wrote mm. a blog post about it. Just kind of explaining some of my experience back, you know, three years ago or so with this. And, uh, I remember the entire time Jalen would look over at us. He'd kind of keep leaning and looking over at us and, and trying to lock eyes with us. And we all agreed, our entire family agreed, um, that it was, there was something in his eyes that, that looked like he was trying to express remorse to us hmm, and he was trying wow. to lock our eyes and he kept locking my eyes. And it was so, there was such a visceral feeling from me of, um, ang- of anxiousness and hmm. fear looking at, you know, one of the killers yeah. in, in the eye and, um, that I couldn't keep eye contact with him. And then I replayed that over and over and over and over for a few years. And then going wow. into this hearing, this most recent one, knowing that I was going to have to um, read a statement to him, I just, there was so much fear that was still, and I can't explain mm-hmm. it. It wasn't like a, I'm afraid. It was just this anxiousness like this, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't feel an empowerment. I didn't feel like a, and what's really, really crazy is what happened when I began to read the statement. I got up out of my seat. I walked over to the prosecutor's table. I sat down and took a deep breath and started reading. It wasn't before I started reading, but right as I started reading, Aubrey, this rush of empowerment came over me. I've never felt something Mm. like this. uh, I don't think in my life that all of a sudden I just felt the Holy Spirit come into me in a, in a, you know, a, a deeper manifestation to empower me to mm. read the words that I had written down on this page. Mm. And, um, so I'm not, I, I'm, I'm planning on posting this on at some point. It might already be posted by the time this releases. We'll put the, the link in the show notes if, if, if it is, but I'll read a couple excerpts of this to you right now. Um, I start the statement out essentially, you know, with some opening, um, statements and talking a little bit about Amanda's story and, essentially tell, telling Jalen that it, that if we were to sit down and have a conversation, he and I, that I would probably start out by telling him about Amanda and, and her story. Mm-hmm. And then I, then yeah. after I do that, I, I say this, and, I, and I'll, I'll read this verbatim here. And maybe as I told you these things about her, I would see something happen on your end. Maybe I would see a deep remorse, a sincere sadness over what you did, a longing to make it right, a resolve to face whatever repercussions may be in store for you. If somehow before all of this, before November 10th, you would have taken the time to learn her story, maybe the heinous acts that you committed that morning would seem so abhorrent to you, it might have compelled you to put a stop to all of it. And then I imagine the conversation would turn to you and to your story. And I'm sure, or at least I'm hopeful, that as I asked questions and heard more of your story and your woundings and your pain, something would materialize on my side. Compassion, empathy, grace, sadness over what you've gone through. 
Maybe I'm an idealist or maybe I'm completely naive, but perhaps there would be something in that moment that would catalyze healing, hope. Mm. You see, what I've learned is that's what learning someone's story does. Jalen, since we may never get the opportunity to sit down to the conversation I just described, you need to know that I forgive you. I release you. Okay, Aubrey, when I read that statement, something happened. Um, first of all, that fear, that anxiety that I was feeling, it broke yeah. inside of me. Wow. Like in a moment. Wow. And immediately I was able to look him in the eye and I was even able to catch his eye and, and kind of bring his eye up to me. Like it's, like, it's like the power in the room shifted. It was the strangest mm. thing. And it's not that this isn't wow. a power struggle, but it's like the Holy Spirit. There was this empowerment that was like, hey, yeah. Jalen, I want you to look at me right now. And I want you to hear the truth that I'm telling you right now. And when I read those words, I forgive you, you saw his whole countenance completely drop. Because mm. prior to this, all of the people, the other, the other victims of this, they had been reading some statements and talking about what a monster he was and talking about, right? So... Of course he's yeah. feeling this and, and rightfully so. I mean, these, these sure. other victims have the right to these feelings and they were trying yeah. to, to help the judge understand the, the, the consequences, what has happened in their life, the, the repercussions that have taken place in their yes. life because of what he's done. Yeah. And, and so I, I can't imagine what was going on in his mind, but yeah. I saw his countenance drop and then he took his orange jumpsuit, jumpsuit and he pulled it up over his eyes and he began weeping. <gasps> oh, it was, it was a powerful moment. Mm, and, um, and so I, 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 I continued to read to him. I said, and deciding that, deciding to forgive him, release him, is more for me and my family and my future than it is for you. I refuse okay. to hang on to the wounding you've inflicted on us. I refuse to carry it around. I know by carrying it, it can do nothing but fester and rot and begin to form a life of its own. I know by keeping this wounding around, it will become a monster that at best further wounds me and others and at worst destroys us all. But you, you know that, don't you, Jalen? Because I can only assume you've held on to some major wounds in your, in your own life. And unfortunately, you decided on November 10th to partner with those wounds and to cooperate with that monster inside of you and to release it onto others for your own gain with no regard to others' lives or their hopes or their dreams or their future. Whether you realize it or not, you chose to be a conduit for hatred, rage, and bitterness. And I'm standing in front of you today telling you man to man, human being to human being, that I refuse to do the same. But I'm also hoping that my decision to forgive you does something inside of you. Because today, right here, right now, I want to implore you to stop partnering with your pain and to start partnering with something else from here on out. Because while there still may be a monster of pain growing inside of you, I know there is also a still small voice that's inviting you to a better story. There's an alternate route for you to take. I sense the voice of Jesus has been whispering to you that you can be forgiven, that you can walk clean, that you can start over even now, that everything you've ever done can be erased in, the, in his eyes by merely receiving him, that your future can be changed your very identity can be changed by choosing to live for him instead. I pray that you've silenced that. I pray that you haven't silenced that voice. I pray your pain hasn't smothered it. How do I know this voice is calling you? Because he did it for me too. He called me out of my sin. That's right, my sin. I know I'm not standing here on trial today, but my sin nailed Jesus to the cross just as much as yours did. 
Even though my sin is less public and has created less damage to others, it put Jesus on the cross nonetheless. And yet at the very moment he was hanging there for all to see, as he was being mocked and as insults were being hurled at him, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what they're doing. I've experienced his forgiveness in a real life-altering way, and it has freed me. And in light of that, it would be a spiritual impossibility to stand here and not extend the same to you. So yes, Jalen, you're facing today sentencing, but the truth is everyone in this courtroom, including me, deserves to face a similar sentencing. No, not necessarily one of doing time in a physical prison, but we all deserve grave repercussions for what we've done and what we've thought and for the condition of our own hearts. We've all gone our own way. We're all guilty of living selfishly and not considering who it may impact. Most seriously, we've all committed heinous crimes against Jesus. And yet in spite of that, he's offered us a better way of life. He's invited us to not give into the trappings of hatred and violence and anger and vengeance and self-preservation. Instead, he's invited us to wield more powerful weapons, not weapons that wound, but weapons that heal weapons of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and compassion and humility. He's inviting us to let those realities transform our hearts and then spill over to others as well. We are invited to no longer act in retaliation to our wounds, but to receive his wounds and by his wounds be healed. So Jalen, as crazy as this may sound, I hold nothing against you. Will you still face consequences here on earth for your crimes? Yes. And you should, to the degree that you feel the weight of what you've done and to the degree that you've let remorse change you into a different Jalen when you are eventually released. But as for me, I release you. You are free from any debt you owe me for what you have taken from me. My trust is in a higher authority who judges the hearts and intentions of men, not just their actions. And I beg you to accept and step into the freedom that judge, Jesus, has to offer you as well. And then I kind of take some time to address the judge um, from there. Um, I'm a little bit silent, Dave, because I'm just moved again. I, you know, I got to read it on paper, but now hearing you read it, um, you know, that feels like such a holy moment. It's hard to even know how to speak after. Yeah. What struck me, though, as you were reading it was the fact that you said you were, he had released that monster yeah. on your wife and yet you were releasing him mm. and um just the two uses of that word release released it out to me that ultimately jesus has released all of us mm. um anyway yeah. i just appreciate just i mean friend to friend i appreciate your godly example and you being like jesus but i think for all of our listeners who i'm sure are deeply moved by now who are looking at their own lives and when they haven't expressed forgiveness yeah and and maybe need to not just because it's the right thing to do, but because of that Holy Spirit empowerment you were talking yeah, about that yeah. it's that it's not just releasing the person, but it's releasing them as well. Yeah, that's that's the that's the biggest point right there for us to understand yeah. is that in these moments where it seems impossible to forgive these things, yeah. that we are doing such a detriment to our own soul by hanging on to it. Yeah, you know, it's like right. we're it's like a double imprisonment. You know, whatever that trauma is, that, that perpetration against you, um, however that's imprisoned you, you are now like locking yourself behind a double prison for not releasing it, for not for, forgiving yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I just wish that the listener would understand the sense of empowerment, that, that moment that just like it broke, right? That fear and anxiety broke 
when yeah. I said the words, I forgive you. And I had not, yeah. I knew that to be true, but that was, that was such an, that was such an unbelievable moment right there for me to feel it, to experience it. And uh, now I can say that with confidence and I can, I can implore you if you're listening to this and you have some kind of uh, vendetta against somebody or some kind of a you know, way that you've been uh, ha- wronged or, or harmed or offended or someone has, has, you know, perpetrated against you, I can implore you to, to journey in forgiveness, to yeah. make the decision because it will set you free. So if you want to start on that journey to forgiveness, like Davey has been talking about, like Lisa Turkers talked about, and mm-hmm. like the Lord talks about, right, yeah. um, actually our Pain to Purpose course, Davey, That's Waypoint right. 3 is all about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so that may be where you want to start, checking out the Pain to Purpose course yeah. for individuals or for churches. You could also hire a certified guide who could help walk you through that mm-hmm. journey, join a community group. We have all kinds of resources for you to partner with God to take back your story at nothingiswasted.com. We would love for you to go there just to begin the journey that God wants to um, lead you on, especially when it comes to forgiving the pain in your past. Yeah. Yeah. You also heard earlier in this episode that we are releasing our 42 day devotional pain to purpose devotional. So you can go and pre-order that as well. Um, And we've got some exciting things coming up. I mean, this is a packed full couple of months here that is going on. Yeah. This is a great few months. This past episode with Lisa was so, so good. And I feel like it's just Mm -hmm. kind of catapulting us into some really great episodes. Next week, we have a great conversation with Luann Huska, who is a friend of yours, Aubrey. Yeah, she's a friend of mine. That's going to be great. That's going to be so good. And then we immediately follow that up with our fourth birthday episode where we bring Christy on to have some conversations and answer your questions that you have submitted to us. And then immediately following that, you two are having a conversation about motherhood. That's going to be so good. That kicks off our parenting series. This is something that you specially requested listeners in this survey. You wanted to hear more about parenting and how to parent through different pain points. We've got some great stories on that. So make sure you lean in and tune in because the next few weeks are going to be super special. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of our music for the podcast. You can find his music wherever you listen to music. You can also follow us at Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davey Blackburn, and at Obsamp. And then next week, like Davey said, is a great conversation with my friend and author, Luann Huska. Let's go ahead and take a listen to a clip from your interview with her. When I graduated from college and I'd, I'd been pretty healthy up until that point and felt like, you know, the world is my oyster and I was yeah. going to do anything I wanted. I had my um, kind of my goals and my dreams. And then about a year after I graduated, I started having this pain in my ankle that um, at first I thought was just going to be something that went away in a couple weeks. And so mm-hmm. I didn't think about it too much. Um, and then that became a couple months and um, kind of around the three month mark is where I started to realize maybe this is going to be something that I'm going to have to live with for a while or maybe forever. And I, that really terrified me because um, it, it meant that, um, you know, it just it made me reorient my whole relationship with my body. And, you know, my body had been reliable up to that point and now it wasn't.